you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Today, we have a very exciting episode for you. Yes, this is episode 57, and today we are joined by someone that I heard on another podcast and was completely intrigued by this story. Her name is Sue Spencer, and she's a power lifter and a coach, but you're going to want to hear her story. Yes. Because it's so inspirational. She's not a normal power lifter. No, no. Not at all. So, Sue, we are so glad that you agreed to come on our podcast because when I heard your story, I was, like I said, I was just completely like blown away. And if you could start by just telling our guests a little bit more about like who you are, where you are at, because we're here in Texas, you're not. Hi, so my name is Sue Spencer, and I'm 65, and I really sort of started to change my life when I was in my late 50s, and um, I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, so on the west coast of the country, Um, so quite a bit farther north than you, and and, um, um, it's a beautiful place to live, for sure. Um, So I started my journey... Um, probably I was about 58 and a half. My daughter was pregnant with my grandson and I was very overweight, very unhealthy eating habits and just generally how a lot of people get when they've spent a lot of time not putting themselves as as, at the forefront. And so I realized that I was going to be 60 in 18 months and kind of shocked me as what was that going to mean because I didn't really feel like I was 60 and so I thought you know what I just have to make a big change and um, one of the big things that I did was just really have a shift in attitude of that I wasn't going to say no to anything and I know that there's that book by Shonda Rhimes called The Year of Yes and I've actually never read it but I kind of followed that same kind of premise and I kind of believe, you know, sometimes things get out in the world and you kind of get them by osmosis. So I um, I just decided that I would say yes to any opportunity and possibility that came my way. And the first big one, of course, was um, making the change of deciding I was going to go to the gym. So I started with that. I had no intention of working with a personal trainer at all. Um, I just was my idea was that I was going to do this for 18 months and lose a hundred pounds and God only know, knew how or, <laughs> or if that would really happen. But that was my, that was my idea in my, my brain. And, and really a few of my friends sort of said, Oh yeah, I've heard that before. And, and of course they most likely had from me, but um, 
I just sort of, I went into the gym and I connected with, you know, had a tour around, ended up connecting with somebody that was going to help me with um, problems I was having with my knee. And then I had some extra personal training sessions after that. And they connected me with this um, young fellow named Paul Marlowe, who I still train with today. And, um, you know, sometimes there's just a situation where you meet somebody and it doesn't matter whether they're the same age as you or way younger. He's actually, you're younger than my son. Um, he, um, we just sort of hit it off and I trusted him immediately. And so um, we started working together and he pushed me to do what I could do. And I really didn't, um, I really didn't worry about the fact that I was going to hurt myself because I, for some reason, I just trusted that he wasn't going to allow me to hurt myself and um, pretty quickly discovered that I was quite strong for sure. And um, so we just started working at it and I started um, changing my diet and I was really I think the great thing was that he didn't say to me, oh, you need to eat a specific way. He just said, you need to look at how you eat and, and change it up so that you can um, be more healthy. So I did that. And one of the things, I wouldn't say that I've been completely keto since then, but when back in the day in the seventies, when Dr. Atkins came about, that essentially is a, a, a version of a keto diet. And even back then, I always felt that that suited my metabolism. And I could always lose weight on that, following that kind of diet rather than any other kind of diet, Weight Watchers, any of those kind of things. Right. The, the really low carb and higher proteins and fats really suited my, my system. And so that's what I sort of went back to looking at when I, um, when I first started sort of trying to change my eating habits and found that it was pretty successful for sure. And um, initially I, you know, was always carrying around a protein shake and things like that with me. And it kind of evolved over the years into um, making a change in how I ate. So within like, I remember him saying to me after about four months, you know, in, you know, six months from now, when you've lost 35 pounds, you know, you'll be amazed at what you can do. And I think both of us kind of thought, well, yeah, we'll see when that happens. But it actually did because I had changed my eating habits, but I'd also changed up the amount of activity, of course, that I was doing in the gym. Very little cardio, mainly um, functional fitness, strength training. That's what his way of teaching his clients was um he has kind of evolved that now he he coaches women and men that are you know 40 plus more of his clients are older than than um you know because he's like 35 or 34 he's not a an older person that would have had you know like he probably would have had younger um clients anyway Sorry to <laughs> no, <you're fine. laughs> digress. So we just kept working at um, losing weight, gaining muscle, gaining strength, essentially. And some really interesting things happened. Like I did lose the weight. I did. Um, I found that my mental health improved dramatically. And I think that a lot of people that are older find that they they get into that sort of sort of 
slow pace and think they can't improve and then you know depression anxiety things like that appear because they're just not eating healthy and they're not being active of, of getting their endorphins moving so um anyway at the at some point after about a year um i had got the goal that i wanted to lose the weight and um gain an amazing amount of muscle so now i'm kind of at that stage where now I've gained a bit of body fat back, and so I need to lose some of that. But I'm, I'm, I have no idea what my weight would end up being, just simply because I have so much body muscle now that it's it's hard to tell. Right. Well, when you have just said that you found out you were strong, I want to say that if someone has not seen you, to go on your Instagram at lift you up coaching and see you deadlift 285 pounds. And this was weeks ago. Uh, so that video was, I think quite older. And yeah, you had done your goal. You had done one at 290. I'm, uh, have you progressed from that yet? Cause that's good. <laughs> um, you know what? I haven't, and primarily because the deadlifting that I do is a component of the Olympic lifting, because yes. I don't actually compete in powerlifting, I compete in Olympic lifting, which is like the snatch and the clean and jerk, mm -hmm. so um, yes, absolutely, you have to do the deadlift part of it and be good at that, um, but I haven't, I don't usually, you know, like I do it once every six months or so, just um, see how heavy I can go. But that's I generally... amazing. That's, I mean, there's a lot of people who've been lifting for a long time and who are much younger and 285 is a, a lot of weight. Oh yeah. And I saw you pull it and it looked easy. That's what he said when he saw it. He goes, that looked easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't use a belt and I don't, and I don't use a belt for Olympic lifting either. And I, and I do like a regular grip rather than a flipped hand grip. And that is just, um, yeah, it's just like, I've got pretty strong legs. That's that's awesome. sure. And so that's really made a big difference too in the Olympic lifting and how I even got into that was because I realized it was strong. I was thinking powerlifting. And um, when I lost all this weight, um, Paul said to me, you know, you need a new goal. So you need to find something that's going to push you forward. So I looked at what the, um, I don't think small. So I looked at the World Masters Games and whether they had powerlifting in it. And they didn't, but they had Olympic lifting. So I really naively just went in and said, well, I want to, I've got my new goal. I want to learn how to do Olympic power, Olympic weightlifting mm -hmm. and go to the World Masters Games in Auckland, New Zealand in 2017. And that was about two years, I guess, before, um, like probably 19 or 2015, 16. And so, um, he said, sure. He'd done it in university and he was pretty sure he could show me how to do it. Okay. So, um, so I started doing it then. No concept or idea of how technical Olympic lifting actually is. And, um, you know, there's a certain point that you can muscle up a certain amount of weight, but at some point you have to do it properly or you're going to hurt yourself. But, um, so yeah, I started doing that and I, um, Went to New Zealand in 2017. I actually had a company sponsor my airfare to get there and um, sort of did a 
uh, GoFundMe and stuff like that to because it's pretty expensive to get from from Canada to New Zealand. Yeah, that's yeah. a long way. <laughs> Pardon? That's a long ways. Yeah, and so um, yeah, I just um, I just started working at it, and and certainly the first time that I actually competed was uh, like a provincial or state um, event. And I um, had no idea what it would be like to be on stage. You can do certain things in the gym, but that whole atmosphere of being on a platform and, and having people watching you and that, um, you know, you just don't know. I don't know. I've never been an athlete all my life until now. And um, so he was sort of trying to, cushion the blow, <laughs> so to speak, that it could be hard. And um, I just like, it's funny, my, there's like a little switch that goes off in my head when I go to compete. And I'm just like, it's all about business. And I just go in, I do the thing and I'm done. And I, it doesn't make me nervous or anything else, which is incredibly surprising to me. But um, after the first time I did it, I, um, it was just like, wow that was so much fun and so easy. And um, I just carried on from there. So I have like provincial or state records. I have some Canadian records. And um, just this past uh, May, I was in Florida for the Pan American um, weightlifting and um, for the masters. And I um, broke a couple of records there as well. So that was pretty cool. That is, that is amazing. So for, like you said, for someone who doesn't know what power, what Olympic lifting is, it's those are the very technical lifts. And so just personally, I've started dabbling into that myself in the last couple of years. And I know the kind of technique that it takes to be able to pull that weight off the ground properly and then catch it in the right position. And we saw video of you catching in a snatch, the, the squat snatch. You were in a full squat doing a power, a, a, rather a power, not a power snatch, a snatch. And both of us were just like, we know people our age that can't go into a full squat. Yeah. that Especially an overhead squat. That was my, probably my biggest one at this past competition that it's the first time I actually have done it in a competition because once you're in the competition, you, you know, things sort of go out of your mind and you're, you do like a power snatch or whatever. But that was the first time that I had, I've been doing it in the gym for a while. And it was the first time that I actually did it 30 K, which is like pounds wise about 66 pounds or something like that. So I'm pretty flexible, which is, well, I'm short, I'm five foot two. So um, (laughs) I don't know how far to go. (laughs) Well, you know, that's what I was going to say. A lot of times, you know, it's just a, it's the mobility and flexibility that, that just leave us as we get older. So did you find that when you went into the gym, you just naturally had that or did you have to work at it? No, I, um, I mean, I think I probably must've been reasonably flexible, but I, um, but it wasn't something that I used. So, you know, you're everything, stretches and works better the more that you do it and so that was probably just doing that that strength training um it's been such like it's made such an incredible difference to me my health wise um I never get sore knees ever 
I never, um, like I used to have a very rounded back. My back has straightened from doing squats and deadlifts and, and the Olympic lifting moves as well. So it's like had like crazy um, unexpected um, health benefits for sure. And generally people that are older, certainly my age that you say you do any kind of lifting and they all sort of wince and grab their, <laughs> grab their lower back, you know, thinking that, oh, it's going to hurt. But, you know, I'm very fortunate in that the person that I train with, um, that was a really important part for him is that people do the, do the correct movements. And so I've never been in a situation where I have hurt myself. I can do like a 235-pound squat you know, with, you know, without somebody standing, holding behind me, because I'm confident to do that. Again, not very often, because that's, I don't normally lift that heavy. But um, yeah, it's made like a huge difference to so many different pieces of my life. And I think for somebody who's just stepping into the gym, everything is so sort of overwhelming and people gravitate to the elliptical and the treadmill and the, um, the bikes because they think that that's something that that's easy to do. Mm-hmm. But in fact, if they just even just use the machines initially to um, simulate the things that you can do, um, you know, with free weights, it's, it makes such a dramatic difference for sure. Yes. So when you went into the gym for the first time, did you start with free weights or were you someone that used the? No, I actually, what I, I had a tour and I said to the, to the guy giving me the tour, oh, there's certain things I don't do because machines I wouldn't use because of my knee. And his response was, well, we have a guy that can help you with that. And so following my, I'm going to say yes to opportunity, I did. And the fellow threw, you know, fascial relief and release and and some gait analysis and stuff he was able to actually correct my the way that I walked which was what was bothering my knee wow so um and then right after that I started working with Paul because you know I'd had some um sessions left and then once you know like once I'd done it once like I highly recommend whether people think it's too expensive or not to use a trainer because they can see what you're doing and you know the way I like it is that you can be kind of brain dead you do that they tell you how to do it you do it if you're not doing it right they tell you again if you're still not doing it right they tell you again if you've forgotten (laughs) by the next time you come back they're telling you again I think he's a little tired of doing that by now after almost seven years but (laughs) but that's what trainers do you're right but I mean that, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much money I'm spending on this. And my brother just said to me, you know, think about it as like an investment in yourself and equal to a couple of really good holidays a year. And that's how I look at it. I, um, you know, I do stuff now that I never would have dreamt that I could be doing. I've traveled in places that I never would have gone before. You know. It, it opens up a whole world, not just your physical health, for sure. Yeah, and all from that, just saying yes. Yep, yep. That first personal training session, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, well, you build that confidence that you can do this, so why, why can't you do anything? And that's, I think, how that transfers over. 
Yeah, and you know, like I I remember still lifting a forty five pound bar and thinking like, oh my, over my head, and thinking like, oh my lord, this is so heavy. And now, you know, that's kind of what I start with when I'm warming up during the day. Yes. Yeah. So when you started doing this, that's when you start. That's when you started adjusting your your diet at the same. Yeah. Time. So I mean. I'm a fairly lazy eater. I like I like stuff to be really simple. So, um, you know, a lot of fast food, a lot of um, a lot of like easy prep stuff like that. That really was not particularly healthy. Had a lot of ingredients in it. Um, not too long before I started, I had discovered that I was celiac. So that also made a huge impact in the types of foods that I ate and. Um, I work at a place where um, part of your blood donation um, process is at the end, you sit and eat cookies. So there are cookies everywhere here. <laughs> and so for me, it's been like a godsend actually to be celiac because I just don't even bother with any of that stuff because I can't eat it. And so that was, I think, something that really helped me with being able to focus on on changing my diet. I already was kind of looking at labels, looking at ingredients, making that change already. And so I did kind of go back to, you know, way, you know, when I was in my 20s and and the low-carb diet was out there, I looked at that because I remember that that was what really helped me lose weight because my body reacted better to that. And now I've kind of, like, over the years I've fine-tuned it. Like, now I um, am pretty much um, all like proteins and fats and very, very, very few carbs. I don't eat any grains. I don't actually eat any kind of dairy other than very rarely. Um, most of my carbs I get from vegetables for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't eat root vegetables. I don't eat um, things like corn and stuff like that. I use usually don't have any kind of um, – like baked goods. And I certainly don't like, there's very few um, like um, gluten-free items that I would ever buy from the grocery store just because they have so many other strange ingredients in them to make them supposedly taste good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you, it sounds like since you had tried Atkins in the past, was it was it something that you knew it worked for you? It was kind of a familiar thing. Did you adjust it like this time? Is it? Oh yeah. Like, you know, like as, as, talking about Atkins, just simply that that was the low carb diet of the day. And um, that information that was out there all those years ago has come back to, yeah, keto is the way to go for the majority of people. And um I knew that that's how my body, you know, when I was younger, reacted well to it. And so that was my first go-to um, as an older person is, like, how will that help me? And um, I pretty, I'm sure that's why I lost the weight as quickly as I did is because I just got rid of all that processed foods and all that high-carb stuff that I, that I had been eating, you know, plus becoming more active, of course, but the food is is what really makes the big difference, I think, in, in any kind of weight loss or transformation of your body, for sure. 
So what does your diet look like now? I mean, you talk, you're mostly keto uh, and you're lifting. So how do you, you know, what do you eat and how do you plan your meals around kind of your workouts? So um, I do a couple of things and, and really um, from experimentation on my aim is always to eat stuff and feel good afterwards. Like whatever it is that I'm eating and you might find what I eat totally weird or your listeners might find it totally weird, but that's what works for my body. And I'm managing to become in tune enough to how I eat when I, when, when food starts to digest as to whether it's something that I'm, that is good for me or not. So um, obviously nothing gluten because I'm celiac, but um, I realized that I really needed to take dairy out of my out of my diet because I didn't feel really great after having dairy. I got itchy skin. I had all sorts of different symptoms. Nothing that was like you know um, that caused like irritable bowel syndrome or anything like that. But just not feeling your best. So now my diet is um, I do intermittent fasting. So I usually do. Um, probably about maybe 16 to 18 hours of fasting with the rest, um, a window for eating food. Um, I do weigh out my, my proteins and, and fats that I are not my fats really, but definitely my proteins. I, I weigh it out. I eat a lot of, of meat, um, some fish, not a lot of chicken because I just find it, doesn't really have a lot of flavor, but if I'm going, <laughs> yeah. it's not that it's it's not that I'm banning it from what I eat. Um, so a lot of protein, um, nuts, um, and also like vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower, and um, I don't eat a lot of salads. Um, I find that kind of boring. I try and make sure that I've I've got a balanced balanced diet in what I'm eating as far as as um, nutrients are concerned. Um, I have a really good protein powder that I use occasionally if I feel that I need something to supplement what I've, what I've been eating. Um, but probably in the last six months, I really have even taken out any kind of grains. Like I used to have quinoa or rice, um, but I don't even have that generally. Just, wow. I just find I feel better without it. Yeah. Now, do you find since you're doing Olympic lifting that other people uh, told you, have, have they told you that you can't do that? Like you have to have carbs to do Olympic lifting. Have you gotten that, that feedback or? No, because I, well, <laughs> partially I don't really talk to people necessarily <laughs> about, about what I eat because people just find it sort of weird, you know, like people that I work with, it's always funny because they know I'm not going to ever eat like chocolate or, or, um, and I don't eat cookies or stuff like that. So they don't even bother asking me anymore or asking me <laughs> what I'm eating or how I eat. And they just see what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I mean, people find it, um, you know, I was just on a website this morning and, and somebody asked a, a question about intermittent fasting about how long people went. And when they did, when they did eat, um, what kind of foods did they eat? And um, somebody just like took over the whole conversation about how bad it was and how you shouldn't be doing it. And I thought, that's not what the person was asking. And so I try and kind of avoid those kind of conversations with people because 
I truly believe that every body is slightly different. And for instance, my daughter is vegan. She thrives on a vegan diet. Um, she's often said to me, do you want to, um, you know, you should try this. And it's like way, 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 way too much fruit sugar for me, for my metabolism. It's right. not something that I could ever do, but um, it totally works for her, her metabolism and her body type. And so I'm not going to tell her that it's wrong to do because it, she's healthy with it. And I think as long as what you're using is works for your body, that's the big thing. It happens that a ketogenic diet works for a huge amount of people, for sure. And a lot of people that are, are kind of afraid to try it because they think it's incredibly restrictive. Mm. But right. I don't find it that way at all. Yeah, we, you know, we, we have found that really you're just giving up a lot of processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and if most people just really focused on eating and consuming real food without ingredients, they would probably be just fine. But like some, some of us have broken metabolism or insulin resistance, like, you know, he and I did. And so you have to really watch those carbohydrates. And then we do get the pushback sometimes of, well, if you're working out, you're going to have to have carbs. But, you know, we prove it to ourselves over and over again every day that that's not true. Your body makes what it needs. And it's it's amazing because you have this clean burning energy. And, you know, you talked earlier about your, your uh, just mentally, how you felt so started feeling so good. And that's a huge aspect, especially as we, as we age, like you said, we start forgetting where our keys are. Did you notice eating this way? Like all those little things? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and coupled, coupled with the, um, the lifting is like, you're, you have to focus your mind on whatever it is you're doing in the gym. And so that, relays into a clearer mindset when you're doing other things but the food like you know um a lot of people are finding that um there's so much more talk out there now about mental health and one of the big things that I find is that like man I can tell and I know so many people that are in the same boat that I start having something that's like too high in in sugars or or um too much like carb say from bread or something like that. And it's like, you get this awful sort of sinking gloom feeling that, that you just think like, oh my gosh, you know, where did that come from? Well, it came from the food that your body is trying to digest and is trying to reject at the same time, really, because it's affecting your system. And yeah. I know um, a few people will say, oh, well, I'm not... Um, I don't have a sweet tooth, so I don't have to worry, you know, because I'm just having sugar. And I know a naturopath that said to somebody, well, do you like bread? (laughs) They said, yeah. And they said, well, then you like sugar. Because essentially that's what's happening is that your carbohydrates are are changing to sugar in your body and fueling your body essentially with, you know, a slightly different kind of sugar, but sugar nonetheless. So, um, yeah, I try and I've, I've, over the last six years, for sure, I've tried to be very careful about ingredients and in things. And um, clean eating has really made a huge, huge difference. And that was probably my first big change was just to be eating really good natural foods. 
And um, yeah, now I um, I do the intermittent fasting. I drink bulletproof coffee or keto coffee. Yeah. Different people call it different things. Um, I found that's like amazing. Certainly when you're, if you're fasting for a long period of time, it's a really great boost after working out. Um, and it's just all healthy fats, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you said a lot of great things, like how you know everybody's an individual. What you eat affects you differently, and the best biomarker you can use that you said earlier was how you feel. How do you feel after you eat it? If you feel good, it's probably you know it helping you. If you don't feel well, then it's probably not. And that you know people can break it down to be that simple, actually. Yes. Yeah, and I think that we all try to make it a little bit more complicated than it really is. And, and um, you know, I know now, like if I eat something, like for instance, onions, which I love, but um, I know as soon as I've eaten them, I can like give me an hour and my body's starting to digest them and my skin starts to get really itchy. Wow. That's just, you know, so... I call it mindful eating sometimes. So you might make that choice that you are going to have those onions or whatever that food is because you really like it and it complements something else that you're eating. But you're also mindful of the fact that your body is going to react to it rather than just feel really great. So that's always my aim is to um, not do that too often and really eat the foods that when I eat them, they feel great. I enjoy them. And when I, my body starts to digest them, my body still feels great. And it's fueling it properly rather than having it fighting internally to, to digest something that's really not working for it. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, when you did this change, when you made this change and you had started being more active and working out, did you notice a difference in your recovery like, do you have, I mean, if you weren't eating completely keto at first and then started, I didn't know if maybe there would be a difference that you could have put. Yes, on. for sure. And I, um, you know, like it's like a, um, it's, it's almost like having like a crazy energy boost. So I, for quite some time, I had rice, like brown rice or quinoa as part of, or oatmeal as part of my, my plan of food that I was eating and um, I was noticing that I still wasn't feeling super just as good as I thought I should as soon as I took those three things out of my diet unbelievable the amount of energy that I had I mean it was noticeable to me over the course of about two days of not having them so I know that that's like I very very rarely might have some oatmeal um, but other than that, I don't, I don't eat that kind of stuff because I just, it's so dramatic, the difference. And I think perhaps it's just that I've got to the point of really eating clean. And, and I'm sure you would find the same thing that, you know, if you were to go out and, and, you know, have a loaf of garlic bread or something like that with pasta, you'd be like, probably having a really long nap first of all <laughs> but um, yeah but it's like residual too like it takes a while for that to get out of your system so um yeah I don't it's not very often that I go off that really fairly what some people think is really strict but I just think it, I don't think of it that way I think of it as um this is making me feel good you know 
That's so important because so many people are disconnected with the fact that what they're putting in their body as food um, or food, that, something that is trying to be food, is <laughs> negatively affecting them. And they just think they're, they're just getting sick and they don't know why. And they yeah. connect the dot of what I'm fueling myself with is the reason for this. So the fact that you made that connection is... Yeah, and I think um, I had a conversation with someone about, they were saying that they they hadn't been eating that well. So they had connected that not eating well was affecting their mental health. But I said, you know, if you've eaten something that's that's you're really sensitive to in some way, it can cause you to go into that funk of depression. And... Um, they said, oh, no, it's, you know, I eat this stuff all the time. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell you otherwise. But not too long after that, they did make that connection that um, their mental health was directly related to the food that they ate. And um, it's crazy. I actually always have antihistamine with me because if I happen to have something that I get that reaction from, I know immediately I'll take an antihistamine and that seems to sort of clean, not clean out your system, but it, it blocks it from, from your body really reacting negatively to whatever it was that you ate. Um, but, you know, that's not for everybody, <laughs> but I just right. find that, it, you know, like worst case scenario, it works, you know. Exactly. Cause a lot of times that histamine release, um, you know, and then you start having, it's like a toxin releases in the body. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people, realize that can that can cause those feelings of that blue feeling or you feel like the veil has been pulled yeah. down yeah and a lot of times people just don't recognize that as an effect of food that they ate yeah and, and um I guess once you get in the gym and you start sort of um working out and getting more attuned to your system that things change and you you're much more aware of how your body moves and how it works. And um, I remember when I'd only been um, working out for a couple of years and someone said, Oh, you should be a personal trainer. And I'm like, nah, I just, I can't be bothered to know all that parts of the body and all that stuff. Now I'm like, I go to my massage therapist once a week and um, I'm very specific about what muscles I need him to help me with because I know my body now, you know, and I yeah. never dreamt I would ever say that even 10 years ago, you know, it's just, it was what you were, what you were moving around life in, you know? Yeah. Well, what seems weird is that this is what you have and this is what you're supposed to live in your entire life, but we don't know it that well sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's always things that come up. So um, one of the ingredients in, that's in a lot of, um, gluten-free things but it's in a lot of like protein shakes and things like that is xanthan gum and it's um it it first of all creeps me out how they make it but um it it people who have celiac disease quite often have really similar um reactions to it that they do to to wheat and um i was still sort of having some issues that weren't going away and I read somewhere somewhere about that and so I checked it out and now that's one of the if I'm ever having anything that's got any kind of um, processed food in it it's like 
whether it's a protein shake or BCAAs or anything like that, um, I always check to see if that's an ingredient. And if it is, I just don't buy it because it's so dramatic, the difference that it makes for me. Yeah, that that one ingredient can cause people to have such terrible bloating. Yeah. A lot of people are so sensitive to it and they might not ever know that that is what it is. It's in so many foods. Oh, it's, you know, it's even, really, yeah, it's really difficult to find any kind of stuff in that, that, yeah, if it's essentially, if it's processed, it's almost always in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. Wow. Now, did, besides celiac, did you have any other uh, health issues when you first started this or is that pretty No, much- you know, um, that's kind of funny that I, I literally don't. I'm really healthy. <laughs> I, I may have been incredibly overweight and lethargic and not very active, but I never had any real health issues, which is, you know, I'm very fortunate, very fortunate. I'm very fortunate that I made that decision to make that change. And now as I'm in my mid sixties, I am doing stuff that I never would have dreamt that I would have even done when I was 25 you know, so that's kind of cool. Wow. It's, is. It is awesome. And I know, I know people can't see you, but I just got to comment that your skin looks so healthy. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I like to get out in the sun, although that's not supposedly so great nowadays, but um, yeah, I am, um, you know, I, I look after myself by, by um, I think just sort of making that decision to be, to take care of you. And that's part of what I do in my coaching business is that it's not personal coaching in that it's not physically coaching, although um, that is part of what I suggest for people that are, are having emotional issues or whatever. But it's more like looking at, um, you know, your own health and putting yourself forward first rather than, you know, the moms that spent all their time looking after their kids and their, and their husbands and their family and, and sort of they always were last or somebody who worked and, and was always trying to achieve a higher status at work and really didn't put their personal health in, in the way they were just really looking at succeeding as a job. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of different reasons why people don't necessarily look after their personal health and why they... Um, binge eat or or have emotional eating issues and and just sort of identifying those and sort of building strategies so that's what I'm doing because I've done that myself I know what an incredible difference it makes to someone's life when they can get the handle on that kind of stuff and just sort of build some good strategies for moving forward in life and and god I mean now my mom's 95 I mean super healthy, drives her own car, lives alone, wow. gets her own, does whatever she wants to do, plays cards like five times a week. She's like always out and about. And I look at, you know, like I've got another 30 years going on here. Right. And so, um, you know, people that get to 40 or 45, most likely, unless they get some kind of cancer or something like that, that they can't beat, most likely at 45 or even 50, you've got at least 30 years left of your life, almost half of your life left to go. And um, you have to make that decision. Are you going to just sort of float along and, and not really be able to do a lot of stuff or, or just seize the day sort of thing and, and 
you know, really get out there and, and do stuff. So that my Olympic lifting is kind of like, people are so amazed. <laughs> I have a lot of young volunteers that I work with and, and um, I have like seven summer students. And so when I say that, you know, I'm going to be away for a while because I'm, I'm competing in Montreal in the summer, um, for the world masters, they're like, what? <laughs> because I, I know you can't see me, but I don't look like a, somebody who is a, an athlete in any way, that's for sure. Well, you know, you, um, you had the account on Instagram and you still go by this, I think on, even on your lift you up coach, uh, lift you up coaching, but you were known as beast mode grandma. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, really, that that just says it all right there, doesn't it? I mean, what does your family say? So, yeah, my my kids are really supportive of it, and and um, my son is very very quiet and and shy and and um, doesn't always say a lot. But um, whenever he starts talking about what I can do in weightlifting, he's always going on starts really going off on it and um my grandson is like just thrilled about the whole thing and he's quite lean and muscular himself so he's always wanting to to do some kind of physical thing so that's really cool for me that I'm that grandma that can do a lot of physical stuff for him with him and when he um I'd given him some little weights when he was like probably about too and my daughter said worst gift ever (laughs) (laughs) you can keep them at your house but um when I first told him I was going to compete he said oh well I'll get my weights and come with you and so um he usually comes to most of my competitions that are local for sure and and yeah it's kind of fun to um I live in a really small community and my daughter and her husband know a lot of the people there and um they all know me as Beast Mode Grandma, so it's kind of funny to be walking across a parking lot and have someone shout out at you, Beast Mode Grandma. Well, that's, I mean, when we talk about inspiring, you're inspiring your family and your grandchildren, and that's, that's very special because you are the example. You're showing them what you can do. You're not, uh, you're not aging uh, poorly. You're, you are aging strong, and that's important. Yeah. And, you know, the crazy thing is with so many people that you're so much stronger than you really believe you are. And, you know, both mentally and physically. And, you know, people are so afraid to get in the gym, especially if they're overweight, because they think people are looking at them. And, you know, I've had really good experience with that, that um, when they see people see you in the gym, no matter who they are, and they see you really working hard they appreciate that and that inspires them and motivates them. And they're not looking at you for any other, you know, to say, Oh my gosh, look at how big they are, how small they are, like how skinny they are. They're not looking at that. They're admiring the fact that you have the tenacity to get in there and, and really do something. And so I've been very fortunate that I, that I've been able to connect with people like that. And that's something we completely agree with when, you know, if we're at the gym or in, or anywhere around and someone's putting it in that hard work, uh, like you said, we, we appreciate that because it, it takes courage to come out and, you know, hit the gym uh, if you're trying to get in shape. And, and again, we don't, not judging people at the gym. If you're, if you're thinking about, you know, going to the gym and you feel that, that you might be judged, most likely you are not, people are not like that. They're, 
very excited to have you there and actually want to help you along your journey to get healthy. Yeah, most people at the gym feel good. They, they're they feeling those endorphins and they're happy. And it's a good community. It's a good way to get around people who are doing, have some of the same goals as you, mm-hmm. I think. And I, we were talking about this before we got on here with you. Um, I was just saying that a lot of times when, even like when you get over 40, you're like, well, I don't really have any goals anymore. And people kind of just like sit down on their, you know, on their rear ends and kind of give up. But with you, with you having this, you constantly have a goal because every time you walk into that gym, there's something to work on. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, people talk about meditating first thing in the morning and I do go to the gym first thing in the morning. That happens to be my best time of the day to be active. I love to get up early and, and do stuff. And I know other people like the evening time, but um, I find it's just sort of like um, almost sort of like a, a meditative time that, you know, if you're really focusing on, if you've set yourself up for me, it's, when I'm working with my trainer in particular, it's, it's, I'm working through some lists, but um, if you've got a plan that you're following when you're in the gym, you're going from, from station to station or equipment to equipment or weights, whatever you're doing, you're focused on what you're, what you're doing and whether you're doing something for 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, you're focused on that thing. And when you walk out of that gym you spent that amount of time not thinking about all that other stuff that's going on because you can't be thinking about that other stuff that's going on. You know, every once in a while you'll see somebody reading the newspaper on a bike or, or watching a movie or something. But I think the majority of time that's kind of far and few between the people that are there are just sort of like, they're absorbing that time. That's their own time. They're listening to music or whatever, but it's a focused time. And, and it has so many other benefits than just physically being healthier. That's, sure. a, that's a great point. And, and we've talked about that before. I used to run a lot and I found long runs as a type of meditation. And mm-hmm. like you said, even lifting weights because you're trying to make that mind-muscle connection and you're focused on the movement and moving that weight and uh, everything else gets shut out. And that's the whole purpose of meditation is is shutting everything out and focusing. So lifting weights is really a type of meditation for people. Yeah. Yeah. I find it for sure. Yeah. So on, um, on your lift you up coaching.com, you said you're not really training people, but you're working more with people who may, you, you were talking about eating, like maybe eating, emotional eating. Yes. So there's a, yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the, the two things go hand in hand. And so I do have a lot of stuff on my website about, you know, me doing lifts and things like that, because it, it's all like a parcel. And um, while I don't have the specific training to be a personal trainer to show you how to do the proper lifting and stuff, I know how to do it, but I'm not trained mm-hmm. to do that. Um, I think that you can sort of funnel people into other areas. So I mainly work with people who 
are sitting there and they are 45 or 40 or 50 or 60 and they're like, well, my life is kind of over. I didn't get it done earlier. I never have been an athlete. Now it's too late. Like I'm just, this is it. I need to sit in a rocking chair or, you know, something like that or watch TV continuously because there's no hope for me. And sort of just helping people to realize that that's not the case, that, you know, when you look after your emotional side, you can look after your physical side as well. And they do go hand in hand because if you don't address the emotional issues as to why you're not doing something, it's very hard to change over and do something. So they kind of all are connected. And so that's my sort of thing. Like I'm so fortunate that something in my brain just clicked and I decided this is what I was going to do. And, um, you know, any of my friends that knew me from before would have said, like, really? They did <laughs> say, I've heard that before. You know, yeah. the, the, the fact that I would be able to be disciplined enough to follow through on it surprised a lot of people, surprised myself. If somebody had told me 10 years ago that certainly that I'd be doing Olympic weightlifting competitively, I would have just thought you were like totally crazy. But, um, you know, you find the thing that fits for you. So weightlifting happens to be what works for me. I, I know I'm strong. I have strong legs. It works really well for me. And I've, I'm passionate about it. I love it. It makes me feel so great when I do it. For someone else that might be running, for someone else that might be biking or swimming or doing triathlons, like everybody has their thing that sort of sparks their interest and, and sparks a passion in them if they'll let it. And, um, you know, it can be something that's just you would never have guessed. And for me, that's Olympic weightlifting. I would have never dreamed that that would be something that I would would do or would want to do. And yet, you know. So I have to ask, when, when you said that you looked on there and you they didn't have powerlifting, but they had Olympic weightlifting, and you were like, ah, I'll do that. Had you ever seen Olympic weightlifting before? Well, yes, because I I watched the Olympics, right? And I actually oh, yeah. always, like, I was like watching them do the lifting in the Olympics. So I had seen it. Okay. Um, but it looks real easy when you see this guy rip up like... 300 pounds like boom he's done it like right like it doesn't yeah, they make it look so simple <laughs> oh well i mean uh you know we just started kind of messing around with olympic weightlifting you know, lifts and it took me over a month just to get a regular pvc pipe over my head and get into a squat i was so not flexible and like you said they make it look so easy when you watch it uh you know on on the television and you go out there and i try to hold something over my head and squat and my body was just like it would not do it i could not make it work yeah, yeah. so i mean did you have that experience when you first started trying to throw that oh. over oh absolutely absolutely and you know that's the thing that i think with any kind of sport or exercise is that when you first start you're not a, you're not a expert and some sports take a little bit longer to become pretty good at than others. But um, yeah, like it, it's a progression that you go through. Like I said, like I can remember holding a 40 pound, 45 pound bar over my head and thinking like, this is like unbelievably heavy, Never mind squatting with it. Just, just to be able to do a press up over my head was just like seemed outrageously heavy. 
now I can I can lift you know I can do a jerk of of probably about 120 pounds. Well, I'm not sure how many kilos that is. Well, right. We we've watched. I've watched your you know your your snatch and your your you know jerk, and you make it look easy. And that's the thing is is you know you struggle with it early, and people don't see the struggle. They only see the end product where you make it look so easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to make it look as easy as those Olympic lifters <laughs> and the Olympics look, but I'm a ways off from that. But yeah, all of a sudden things come together. It's like being able to, to do a squat with something over your head. And I struggled with that for a long time of, you know, I can, you know, and I still, I can, well, I can snatch maybe 90 pounds. I, to put that over my head and do a squat down not so easy to do just because, you know, your mind really sort of plays with it. And and that's one of the things too, that I, the snatch in particular, because you're basically moving the bar straight up over your head and it can be pretty heavy, um, you know, with the weights on it, that um, it messes with a lot of people's minds. It's just a hard. It messes with mine. Yeah. It messes with mine. Yeah. Every time I go out and try to start working on the snatch and I, you know, there's an element of fear because you yeah. know, you, you're throwing this heavy weight over your head and, and basically almost sitting down on the ground with it in one movement. So I completely understand that. And the yeah. fact that you, you're, you're showing people that it's never too late to become an athlete. And you never that you were never an athlete before, and I feel the same way. I mean, I'm 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 starting. I've, I've felt like I was starting so late, you know, in my 40s. But because I was never really an athlete, I did gymnastics as a kid, but I was never an athlete like I thought think of an athlete. And yeah. so being, you know, in your 60s and starting breaking records and doing all these incredible things. You're just proving to people that sitting on the couch watching TV is really a waste of your resources. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, what I've really found um, through my, I have through my Instagram, which used to be called Be Smoke Grandma and I've changed it over to my company name now, but um, I've got people from all over the world that I've connected with and, it's surprising how many people don't do any kind of exercise whatsoever, but it's also surprising how many people there are out there that have now discovered that and um, are in their forties and fifties and sixties. I think CrossFit is a really great um, reason for that. It's not something that I do. I don't like to have to move that fast. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think that that's something that has really, really pushed people to sort of think, well, hey, maybe I can do some of that. And there are, there's a huge amount of people out there that, that are starting to really think, hey, you know what, I don't need to stop. And I think that podcast that I was on, um, they profile people that have been athletes all their lives and are still athletes in their sixties and seventies, but also people that are new to it. And, and like I said, I don't worry about the fact that um, I don't look anything like an athlete to most people, but um, I know that I'm really strong and I can, I can do a 725 leg press on a, 
on one of those machines if I want. You know, I I don't worry about that. And um, it's sometimes really funny and, and fun to be, you know, at a boot camp or something. And people will see me and just think, well, you know, what can she do? Well, I can do quite a bit. I bet. <laughs> and probably more than they can, which is really funny too. So, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's it's a nice um, position to be in that I can talk to people about, you know, your mental health, your physical health, your your eating habits and, and what works for me. And I'm always very careful, particularly with food, to, to make sure people realize, like, I'm not a dietitian or a naturopath or anything else. And I've found what works for me. And um, I think that you have to really... Um, Find the thing that works for your metabolism. The fact is that, you know, there's as many people that talk about vegetarianism as there are people that talk about meat eating, but um, I'm definitely pro to the meat eating because, man, it's sure made a difference to my life. Uh, that's, that's great to hear. Awesome. And you're right. Everybody should try. I mean, you should not, you just not try it. You should try it and see how you feel. Yeah. And it can't be like one day thing. It's got to be something that you, you know, you give it a chance to, to, um, you know, just try something different. And I'm, I really try and do that in a lot of, like I do see a massage therapist on a weekly basis. I happen to have a really good health plan that, that allows me to do that and, and not make um, concessions to making sure that my muscles and everything are always in, in top shape. But I recently started um, doing cryotherapy, which um, is not all that well known, but um, that's made a huge difference to um, how my metabolism works for sure and recovery with with um, from um, any kind of lifting or, or anything. And, and um, that's made a huge, huge difference in the speed of which I recover. And then just making sure that I'm eating like really healthy food. It's all combines together. Yeah. Uh, all those different modalities together help your recovery and, uh, you know, make it where you can keep doing this for as long as you want. Well, I'm telling you, there's about three ladies from Canada, and I know there's some other ones from the U.S. that are in their 70s that still um, do Olympic lifting. And I met a couple of them on the um, when I was in Orlando and, I aim to be there with them when I'm in the next age group. So I've just hit the beginning of uh, the 65 to 69 age group. So I've got a few years to that, but I'd sure love to be there when I was 70, 75. Wow. Well, we'd love to be as in good a shape as you are when we're getting up your age. And that's, that's our goal. Our, Our goal, like you said, you know, you could be here for another 30 years easy, make those 30 years the best they can be. Yeah, I think people that think that, you know, they're 35 or something and they've they've hit the midway point or something, they're 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 in for a big surprise because that's not really nowadays. Yes. Unless you eat so poorly that you, you know, if you're eating all chemicals, I guess that's perhaps you've got a shorter lifespan. But generally, you know, if you're eating healthy, it can sustain you for a long time for sure. Well, we, we don't want to monopolize all of your time this afternoon. We know you, you still have things to do today, but we are so appreciative of you taking time to, to come on the show and to tell your story and be an inspiration to our listeners, because I know 100% it will be 
I mean, how can it not be? Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> and um, so we've said this, we've mentioned this, but people can find you on Instagram. Yeah. Lift You Up Coaching. Yeah. Correct. And then that web, the website is the same name. Yes. And then I also um, have a Twitter account, but it's because you can only use so many letters in Twitter. It's like lift and then the letter U and then up coaching. Okay. And the word Y-O-U. So if people want to connect with you and they want to follow your journey, they can find you on those areas. And if they mm-hmm. want coaching, um, if they are seeking you for that, they can go to your website. And yep, or through my Instagram, um, you know, direct message for sure. Awesome. awesome. And on my Lift You Up Coaching Instagram, that's where I post. I, I actually have a lot of pages. So I have a Beast Mode Drama um, Facebook page and a Beast Mode and a Lift You Up Coaching Facebook page. And on those, I also post um, pictures of me lifting as well as um, other inspirational stuff. So. Well, I, I know that we're going to have some people that will want to check that out because, um, you know, I, we, we just want this to be something where people know that it's not too late. Yeah. It's just never too late to start. So thank you for sharing all of your information and your story. And um, we're so glad that we met another keto person who is thriving in that diet because it's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's it's um, becoming more well-known now. And I think, um, you know, with the whole bulletproof stuff out there that people are sort of looking at it a little differently. And um, yeah, it's something I've known for the last 40 years that, that high protein, lower carb works for me and is the best. I haven't always um, um, subscribed to it on a regular basis. And, and my weight gain and, and lethargy was, was the result of that. But um, man, you know, if you want to feel good and, and um, just really healthy, it's the best thing ever, I find. Well, that's, Us too. Yeah, we, we do as well. Uh, so, again, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. We love hearing your story. Uh, we hope everyone enjoy. We, we, we appreciate everyone that listened in. So, uh, for all our listeners, go out there and eat fat and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.